And if you would also turn with me um, on the sermon notes page, you'll find there the words of the Heidelberg Catechism, question and answers uh, 59, 60, and 61. Uh, They're also in the hymnal, but you have a little sheet in front of you, so let's read from that uh, this afternoon. We've been reading through and uh, using the Heidelberg Catechism to help us uh, to know Jesus better, to know the Word of God better, to know who this wonderful God is better this uh, this calendar year. So we're coming here uh, almost to the middle uh, of the Catechism. Question and answer is 59, 60, and 61. So I'll read the question as always, if you would say with me the answers. Uh, But how does it help you now that you believe all this? That I am righteous in Christ before God and an heir to life everlasting. And then question 60, this is one of the great questions. How are you righteous before God? Only by true faith in Jesus Christ. Even though my conscience accuses me of having grievously sinned against all of God's commandments, of having never kept any of them, and of still being inclined toward all evil, Nevertheless, without any merit of my own, out of sheer grace, God grants and credits to me the perfect satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ, as if I had never sinned nor been a sinner, and as if I had never had been perfectly obedient, as Christ was obedient for me. If only I accept this gift with a believing heart. And then finally, question 61, why do you say that through faith alone you are righteous? Not because I please God by the worthiness of my faith, for only Christ's satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness are my righteousness before God. And I can receive this righteousness and make it my own no other way than by faith only. And I want to just read one verse as well. Romans chapter 5, verse number 1. Uh, I told the brothers at our uh, men's prayer breakfast last Saturday that you've got to memorize this verse, right? So one of the great verses. Having, uh, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people say, Amen. So I, I think a lot of you know, uh, I've told this, my, my little story before, um, but you know the spiritual struggles that I had while I was a college student. I was a young believer uh, when I was in college. I was converted when I was 17 and a half or so, uh, and then spent a year in high school in a, as a young believer uh, at a charismatic church and uh, in a youth group and so forth, and then made, way, made my way off to college, uh, and then had many struggles um, spiritual struggles, like, like we all do, like we all know, um, during those uh, formative years uh, as a young believer. So my, my freshman and sophomore year in college really were uh, lots, of, lots of learning, lots of growing, lots of maturing, but also lots of struggling uh, as a believer. And one of the struggles was assurance, knowing that I really belonged to, to Jesus Christ. Um, I knew that I believed in Jesus. I knew that he changed my life. I knew that he was the Savior. I knew that I was a sinner. I knew that he did all that he did for me. Uh, but then seeing other Christians uh, at, a, at a Christian college, seeing other professing Christians either not really caring about the gospel that had transformed my life from death to life, you know, about a year or so before, uh, or, or living as if it didn't matter 
going to TJ in the weekends, you know, getting wasted, um, coming back. And then coming back, and there's chapel service every morning, of course, and then coming back on the weekend, and then Monday morning, stumbling into chapel, and going to the altar call at the front, and rededicating your life to Jesus, and, you know, I saw that so many times, and so many people, so many uh, dorm mates of mine, you know, every week, we're at the altar, you know, and like, do you really, do you really believe in Jesus or not? Why do you keep going off and sinning and then coming back and giving your life to Jesus again uh, as if it's just sort of like a uh, put a quarter in the, in the machine, turn the knob, and you get like a little prize out of it. And so that led me to a lot of disillusionment and a lot of spiritual struggle, whether or not uh, I was a believer, whether or not the Christian faith was real. Um, and so I st- studied. I think I mentioned this before. I, I would have in my dorm room Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons, and that really got people looking at me weird. Uh, why would you have these missionaries, you know, Mormons and JWs, up in your dorm room on the seventh floor uh, when, you know, the, the music's being blared loud and college boys are doing what college boys do, doing nothing good. Um, but then I, was, I studied uh, Islam, I studied Buddhism, I studied Hinduism, I studied with the Jewish rabbi for a little bit in Newport Beach, uh, all to find out what was real, what was true, uh, what was authentic. And then again, uh, and then in class one, one day, uh, our professor, uh, Bible professor, wrote on the board uh, the words that are on that sermon outline. Had it somewhere, but uh, the words in the Westminster Larger Catechism, question and answer number seventy. They're basically the same as what we just read from our question and answer number sixty here. Uh, what is justification? Our says, how are you right before God? And it teaches us this glorious truth of the doctrine of justification. That God, by his grace alone, has sent his son, Jesus, to live and to die, to do all that work for me, so that when I receive him by faith, I have everything that I need, and that I am justified, I'm declared right before God. God uh, stamps down the gavel uh, in his heavenly courtroom, and he says to me, and he says of me, that I am not guilty, and that I am righteous. And I am acceptable to God. When I heard that for the first time, now I had read the Bible a bunch of times by that point. This is like two years into my spiritual journey. I read the Bible probably back and forth multiple times already. But when I heard that question and answer, question 70, that's printed out for you on that sermon notes page, I literally ran to my dorm after class was ended. I typed that bad boy out on a piece of paper and I printed it off in the, in the, in the, in the computer lab. And I posted it right over my desk, right in front of me, and I read that thing every single morning. This doctrine of justification was the thing that really, I would say, saved me from despair. It was like I was born again again. Born again again, if if you can be that. Uh, This is what brought me assurance. This is what brought me confidence. This is what brought me joy. To know that that what I believed when I was a 17-year-old in high school, in, contra- in contrast to all my basketball teammates, what I believed and all the ostracization that I experienced by being a believer, it was real. It was worth it. And it was true. And so Paul says those wonderful words to us about justification that I hope and I pray and I trust as you read that, as you have it in front of you, if you hear it again this morning, that these words strike your heart. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And he's been summarizing up to this point the whole of his letter 
Uh, and he's been proving to us that God justifies sinners. God declares sinners, the righteous God, mind you, declares unrighteous sinners to be righteous because of all that Jesus Christ has done. And you receive it by faith. Father Abraham believed and was justified before he had done any works of the law. In the same way, we believe in Jesus and we are justified before we do any works. It's by faith alone, as we say. He declares us to be righteous. We have peace with God because we've been justified. Notice how he speaks of it, this theological but also very practical doctrine. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have, very personal, we have peace with God. And that's why our question 59 asks us, but how does it help you that you believe all this? What's the this? Well, it's all the things we've been talking about up to this point in the Catechism. All the doctrines of God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, our triune God, the Apostles' Creed. So what does it help you? How does it benefit you? How is it any good for your soul that you believe the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ? So notice that connection. I mentioned this this phrase before as well, that uh, theology that does not become biography is wishful thinking. That our theology in our heads must trickle down into our hearts and then out into our limbs, our fingers, our, in our feet. Theology must become biography. The things that we believe should actually help us, benefit us in life. Now, there are many ways in which people take the Christian faith to be helpful. There's many ways in which people take the Christian faith to be beneficial. By the way, I found my sermon notes. So, uh, if you're thinking, I, I, I found my notes, so... Uh, I'm not superhuman this morning. I thought I was, but find my notes. Uh, there's, people think that the Christian faith can bring prosperity. And so a lot of people are attracted to it because they're promised prosperity. Or, or health, or happiness, or how Christian, the Christian religion can help you cope with the struggles of this life. Or it can make you a better person. There's a lot of things, a lot of beneficial sort of side benefits that people promise the Christian faith helps with and people sometimes get attracted to that on the basis of those promises and we as we all know and some of us in this very room have been disillusioned by those promises and we've stumbled and crawled and we've been dragged even uh into uh this thing called the reformed church uh, because we knew that it was going to help them actually help them and give them assurance but notice how that answer tells us how it helps us how does the christian faith actually help us It's not all that stuff. It's that I'm righteous in Christ before God and an heir to eternal life. The helpfulness, the beneficialness of the Christian faith, of all of our theology, is that I am righteous in Christ before God and I am an heir to eternal life. Regardless of what I have or don't have in this life, I have that. I have Jesus Christ. Having been justified or declared righteous before God's righteous judgment, by faith, we have peace with God. We have peace with God. There's a, there's a great line in one of our songs that we sing in church. Uh, it's the very last verse of a song that we sing. It says this, Two wonders here that I confess. Do you know the rest of that line? My worth and my unworthiness. Close enough. <laughs> Close enough. My worth, because Christ died for me, my unworthiness. 
He died for me. Died for me. The Christian faith helps us. It has great benefit to us because it makes us righteous before God. It makes us acceptable to God. No other religion promises this. That someone else, Jesus Christ, who is God in human flesh, has done what we need. And he gives us everything merely of grace, apart from our works. And we just receive it. We just receive it. Notice some of the nuts and bolts there. Question 60, briefly. Some of the nuts and bolts, if you will, of justification. Of justification. Of the nuts and the bolts. Uh, usually, uh, when, when I buy shelves at Ikea... Uh, comes with an instruction manual. You know, on the one side, it's in, uh, what is it, Norwegian, I think it is, or maybe it's Swedish. The other, is it Swedish? Yeah, Swedish on the one side, and thankfully English on the other side. Um, but it usually has, they have like a little bag of nuts and bolts and all kinds of weird little parts that don't really make sense to, to a guy like me. Um, and so, you know, you build those things, and you put them up as best you can. Thankfully, George built me a, a great uh, desk at home, a great standing desk with shelves. So that, that came without nuts and bolts. That just came as is. And uh, that thing's going to last to eternity, I think. So I think it's great. Things great. My, my Ikea stuff, you know, it's pressed particle board, whatever it is. I don't even know what it is. George made me the real deal. So, uh, it, and it looks, it looks like my, my office it looks like a monastery now. It's great. So it looks like, kind of like this, a big, big wood desk. But uh, we get nuts and bolts, don't we? Nuts and bolts help us build things and put things together and so forth. In the same way, this question 60 some of, the, some of the nuts and bolts of what it means to be justified. And it talks about our problem there. Notice there's three problems. There are three accusations that come to our conscience. Three accusations. That I've sinned against all of God's commandments. Okay. Secondly, I've never kept God's commandments. So notice the negative part. I've sinned against God's commandments. And then there's the other side. I've never kept, right? I've never kept uh, God's commandments. And then I'm inclined to all evil. Okay, so as a sinner outside of Jesus Christ, I am as, I am as sinful as you need to possibly be to stand apart from God. I've sinned, I've not kept God's commandments, and I'm inclined to all evil. To continue to sin against God's commandments, to continue to not keep God's commandments. But notice how God answers our problem. How that, how that answer there gives us, uh, question six of the answer, it tells us how God answers our problem. I've sinned against all of God's commands. Yes, you have. And so God in his mere grace has sent his son for you. Christ in his amazing work, his satisfaction, his righteousness, his holiness. Notice that his satisfaction, uh, that he's paid the price for my sin. So my first problem of my sins against all God's commandments, Christ died for all that. Okay, but my conscience says to me that I've never kept God's commandments positively. Fine. Christ's righteousness, he's kept the laws of God for you. But I'm inclined to all evil. Jesus Christ is holy. He's not inclined to all evil. He's inclined to all love, love of God, love of neighbor. And all of that, satisfaction, paying for our sins, righteousness, doing the commandments of God, holiness, being spotless, being pure, uh, and so forth. All of that comes to me. How? How do I get all that? Faith. Faith. Notice, God's grace alone, without any merit of his mere grace, Christ's work alone, his satisfaction, his righteousness, his holiness, faith alone. Accepting it with a believing heart. Accepting it with a believing heart. Now, don't forget, and I don't want you to overlook on, on uh, that question 60, at the very end of it, 
There's this two lines there. They both begin as if. As if, you know. Uh, those of us who grew up in the 80s, you know, as if was a big phrase for us. <laughs> as if, right? Um, but this is a better as if than that. Uh, just notice the importance of that, as if. All of this is so true of you and of me who believe that it's as if I've never sinned nor been a sinner and as if I have always been obedient to the laws of God. Justification is as if I've never sinned nor been a sinner and as if I have been perfectly obedient as Jesus Christ was obedient for me. Do you realize, brothers and sisters, how God looks upon you? Do you know what God sees when he looks upon you? We think in our own sinfulness that he he looks upon my sins. He looks upon my struggles. He looks upon my failures. He looks upon my weaknesses. He looks upon my daily stumbling. He looks upon the fact that I know that I'm a sinner. He looks upon me and, and, and we think that he looks upon us as failures, as miserable failures. We think he looks upon us, you know, like perhaps some of our dads look at us and, you know, think that we're not, we've not really made much of ourselves in life. We, we think that. The scriptures, and this catechism question summarizes for us what scripture says, says to us that God looks at you as if he was looking at his very own son, Jesus Christ. As if I've never sinned. As if I've always been obedient. Did Jesus ever sin? No. Was he always obedient to God? Absolutely. God, the Father, looks at you like he looks at his own son, Jesus. Now, that means a lot for us, of course, theologically and so forth, but just think about what that means for us in our time and age today. Where is our identity? How do we identify ourselves? How do we identify today? What's our identity? There's lots of ways in which we can ID ourselves these days, of course, and the list is getting longer by the day. Uh, we, can, we can define ourselves merely as a male or a female, or we can define ourselves with uh, the, the lengthy list of LGBT and so forth. Uh, maybe we can identify ourselves politically. Well, am I a conservative? Am I a progressive? And, uh, am I an independent and so forth? Can I identify myself by my, by my ethnicity, my, my race? I'm black, I'm white. Uh, my nationality, perhaps, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an American, I'm, I'm a Mexican, or whatever it might be. But what's really important is how God identifies us. There's a lot of different things which we can say of ourselves, but what God says of us is most important. He says to you and to me that we are his sons, his daughters, his children. He says to you and to me, that we are in his son righteous, spotless, perfect, that we are loved by him, that we are forgiven by him, that we are accepted by him, that we are received into his kingdom of everlasting grace. Now notice finally, thirdly, the facts of faith there, verse 61. So we see here that the beautiful truth, this beautiful reality that, that this doctrine benefits us, because it says to us that we are acceptable to God, that we are righteous. We see some of the nuts and bolts of that. We, we see the three problems that we have, and we see God's three answers to that. And then finally, we notice here some of the facts of faith. Let, let's clarify, what, what does it mean that by faith alone we are justified? Faith alone we are acceptable to God. What does that mean? 
Question 61 tells us. It says to us, notice on the, on the negative side, first of all, it's not about the worthiness of your faith. That All that's true, uh, not because of the strength of your faith, or the zealousness of your faith, or that you have a, have a more pure heart that your faith comes out of than, than your neighbor, and because you have a more pure heart than your neighbor, God accepts you and not him or her. Notice that it's not the worthiness. I don't please God by the worthiness of my faith. But it's only, notice, it's only Christ's satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness that is my righteousness. And I, re- and I just receive that. I just receive that. Make it my own by faith alone, by faith only. We talk about faith a lot of times as a, as a hand. Faith like a hand. What does a hand do? What does a hand do? My hand, my hand yesterday dug a lot of dirt, so I held, had, had a shovel in my hand, so my hand held on to a shovel, kids. I uh, picked up a lot of rocks, a lot of clay, hard clay underneath the surface to put some potting soil in and put some nice flowers out. My, my hand was holding on to something all day yesterday, pretty much. Hands grab stuff, don't they? They reach out and they hold, they grab, they grasp, they receive. They receive. Why do we speak of faith as a hand? Because of that very reality of, of, of being receptive and, and holding on and clinging on to something. And what it holds on to and what faith clings on to, like a hand, is what God says about me. Not what I say about myself. Not what I think I should be or what I really want to be. Not what's, what, what the world says about me or what I should be. Not the devil. No, faith reaches out and it grabs hold of God's identification of, of me, in which God says of me, he identifies me, again, as his child, that I'm an heir of eternal life. And I may not feel that when I wake up tomorrow. I may not really look like that at this point in my journey, my life. And I may not even believe that wholeheartedly all the time as much as I should. But God says it's true, and I believe that. And that's really the heart of our faith the benefits of our salvation, our being justified by God through Jesus Christ. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, brothers and sisters, my friends, I implore you this afternoon to believe what God says about you in his word that is so helpful to you and to me and to receive his identification that you are righteous before God You are an heir to eternal life. Amen? Amen. Let's believe that and let's go out and because of that, share that wonderful news with all who would hear us. Let's praise the Lord. Let's give him thanks. You'll turn with me on that order of service. You'll see there.